Hello, everyone. It is Thursday. We are on another edition of the MSP Initiative today. We have a friend that's been around many circles in IT land, Melanie No, who is with Trend Micro. How are you doing today, Melanie? I'm doing good, George. Thanks for uh, inviting me on today. Absolutely. Where are you, where are you based out of? So I'm based in uh, Tampa Bay area. I'm specifically in Clearwater, Florida. Got it. Well, of course, where the weather's nice and it's a vacation spot. My, uh, my Phillies do spring training down there, you know, when it's not running runner spot. Yeah, yeah. They're not far from, from where I am. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, you know, Melanie, for people who don't know you or don't know a lot about you, would love for you to maybe zoom back into memory lane and give us a little bit of a professional background and let people know how you got from, you know, into the you know, working land to today. Yeah, definitely. I'd be glad to. So um, I'll, I'll start back probably about uh, 12 years ago. We'll go back that far. Um, that's kind of when my journey began uh, in the, the IT world. Um, I joined uh, Ingram Micro many years ago, and I worked with Microsoft partners. So many of my years uh, were spent focusing, um, supporting, enabling, and really helping partners grow. Um, I remember the first time I really spoke with a partner, I had to talk to them about on-prem and, and server licenses. And, and, and then I had to kind of transition into the uh, telling them about the cloud. And what an interesting conversation that was, you know, uh, at the time it was so new, you know, and we had to try to, 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 you know, get them on that journey. So that was, that was a challenge. Um, but then fast forward a few years beyond that, um, then I was talking to partners and helping them migrate, you know, their, their office 365, or I'm sorry, their, their on-prem exchange servers to office 365 and, and getting them in, in, in that, uh, in that flow. So that was great. Um, and then fast forward even further, um, I worked at ConnectWise for about four years and helped the partner community uh, really kind of capture all of the, the things necessary to be able to manage their business from a, a PSA and RMM standpoint. So, and now I'm at Trend and uh, still talking to the same partners that I did, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And uh, it's great. I get to, to see everyone that I uh, got to speak to for so many years. Oh, George is muted. There we Sorry go. about that. That should be better now. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that that journey for a second, though, right? So you've been, you you kind of been you've kind of like this whole concept of MSP, right? I mean, you know, in the early to mid two thousands, right? MSP was more of a, you know, from I don't know if you want to call it like cloud from a marketing standpoint or just business model, you know, if you would, but. Um, from a, from a maturity standpoint, right, you, you kind of started your professional career in the middle of the beginning of the, hey, let's move into reoccurring revenue, let's move out of break fix, let's move out of on-prem as much as possible. You know, 10 years plus have gone by, 10, 12, 15 years have gone by. Do you think that the, the marketing message is finally reality or, you know, is it still all over the place? Um, I, it's... Wow, it's matured a ton, you know, obviously in the last decade. Um, and we've come a long way, I would say. Uh, but, you know, there definitely is now a new complexity that there's so many 
offerings and there's so much noise out there as far as what what partners or, or MSPs should be offering their clients and how they should be doing it right you know everyone wants to, everyone wants to say this is the right way right um, so it's it's really challenging for them to kind of go through all of that noise and figure out what's the best solutions that they want to package and, and provide to their clients right so now it's a different complexity before it was trying to get them to look at a different business model which wow that was that was a challenging conversation, right? I think most are in the the, the, the flow of doing that already or they're progressing toward it. Um, but now, like I said, it's just them trying to weed through what's the right uh, offering, right? And what's the right um, way to do it for their clients. So let me ask you this. Um, what are the characteristics from your perception, right? Because you've been working primarily with IT services providers for years. Mm -hmm. What separates the larger guy from the smaller guy, right? Like we always say, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poor. Is there even a middle class in MSP land? I don't know. I would love to understand from your perspective, how people, you know, the people that are really growing and are considered larger, how do they really make that separation from guys who are just kind of getting by? Yeah, um, I think it's uh, having the right people and resources sometimes, you know, or leveraging the right resources. Um, you know, sometimes there are uh, MSPs that are, you know, they just don't have the, the time, money or, or resources to be able to facilitate providing a certain service, right? Um, or, or going to that extra level that might allow them to get maybe like a larger size, mid to enterprise size client, right? Um, so a lot of the times, you know, they're, they're kind of focusing on the smaller, smaller clients, which is great. Um, but sometimes they kind of, I don't want to say pigeonhole themselves, but they really kind of confine themselves into the only that mindset um, because of lack of resources or time or whatever the case is. So um, I think now there's so many different options and offerings um, that you know, vendors are providing them, whether it be, you know, a co-managed type of situation where they're offboarding some of that, um, you know, burden, if you will, um, and allowing, you know, other resources to be able to handle it for them or on their behalf. I think that is really the key to being able to, to grow and, and scale. So how successful have you, like, so let's let, I'm keying in on one point that you just mentioned. How successful have you heard other people being largely outsourcing the front lines? I feel like there's this dichotomy, right? Where it's like, hey, the front lines are my business, right? IT services is my business. Support help desk is my business. And if I start to outsource them to a degree or vendor source them to a degree, I lose the quality control or I lose the, you know, the experience factor. And that may be, you know, kind of in the, in the mix of whether I keep a customer for the long time or not. So, you know, I'm curious to hear what you've heard across the years that success rate. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, I just talked to a partner actually earlier today that, that kind of mentioned something along what you just mentioned, you know, giving up that control or giving up that, um, maybe even level of engagement, right? With, with their client themselves, um, you know, it really has to be up to the partner to decide. I mean, we, we have partners that look at, maybe they have a hybrid kind of scenario, right? Where they offboard some of their, um, you know, kind of well-oiled well machine kind of customers, right? Um, and offboard those to more of a, you know, um, 
co-manage type of situation. And maybe they're really high touch clients or, or, or customers they're keeping in house, right? So I've seen that work um, and I've seen a lot of partners be successful with that type of approach. So it's interesting because certain, like the newer verticals, right? We're talking about a little bit of security today. Like when you start hearing the word sock, right? Or, and that follows the word knock, right? Network operations center and then security operations center. Yeah, these are largely back-end functions that maybe the MSP doesn't have, like you said, the resources for, the finances for, the headcount for, but they're not small components of the picture, right? They are pretty big parts of the engine. So, you know, it's, it's just interesting. Like, if it's customer-facing, it's almost like the MSP doesn't want to let go of it. But if it's behind the scenes, back office, you know, that kind of thing, it's like the MSP is like, hey, I'm willing to outsource that doesn't see it. Do you find that? Yeah, um, definitely. I have seen, uh, if you want to call it white labeling, right, where a lot of partners do prefer that method where, you know, if they are dialing into, you know, a, um, a help desk, for example, it's being answered as XYZ company, right? It's being answered as that, as that partner's uh, company name. Um, or when messages or tickets are being answered, for example, it's, it's being, you know, it's coming from that company, right? The, the partner's name and not just some out, outsourced uh, uh, third-party group. Um, I, I feel that a lot of the times those type of uh, scenarios are more attractive um, and more of a comfort level, right, for um, MSPs and, and partners in general. So fast forwarding a little bit that, you know, when you look at the MSP stack, right, there's something like 40 plus services that, you know, whether it be security or backup or uh, network as a service infrastructure could be down to the actual machines on the desk, right? I mean, there's actually, I feel like that number's like tripled since the mid 2000s, right? It's just the industry's matured, more companies have popped up, more technologies have popped up. So kind of along the lines of, you know, your, you know where, where you're coming from is that security has largely been at the perimeter, right? The firewall, the edge, the router, and then some sort of app or end or software agent on the machine. I'm curious to see, you know, the title of our, 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 our session today is security beyond, beyond the endpoint. You know, like where can we affordably go, right? Like, listen, fortune companies, the government, right? You know, they got, it seems like unlimited money and even they're struggling to keep up with it. And they're still having the ransomwares and all the, you know, the, the breaches and we see it every day. I feel like there's just, you know, the, the, there's like a channel that's going to be created for the news on breach today. Right. You know, like on, you know, like, you know, one of the sub channels, but mm -hmm. like, what does it look like today? Right. Like 10 years ago, antivirus, maybe some sort of secondary engine, like a malware scanner and a firewall was the base recipe. Right. Yep. What does that recipe look like today? Yeah, so now today, you know, we are looking at um, multi-layered approach, right? We're, we're looking beyond the endpoint. It's not just, you know, put a, put a, put a, you know, oh, you're losing your flag back there. <laughs> Is it windy? A <laughs> little bit windy, yeah. Oh, man. I thought you okay. were a little away I'm for good. a second. Okay. All right, good. I'm good. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> Um, anyway, you keep talking while I work on my on my tent. 
enjoy it. You do that. All right. Let's let's make sure Georgia's good. Uh, anyway, so now we're going beyond the endpoint, um, more of a multi-layer approach, right? So the we're good. Is, of course, very important. And thanks, man. Appreciate it. Oh, George, are you okay now? Yeah, we're good. Keep going. <laughs> Um, so anyway, um, we go beyond the endpoint. So now we start looking at now, you know, different layers. Um, the secondary layer is going to be more or less, you know, your um, protection of like Office 365, G Suite, um, maybe file sharing services and, and things of that nature, right? So now that's a new level because, you know, email is obviously the number one um, vector that, that these threats kind of come through, right? So you know, a lot of times the endpoint's great, but we have to also protect the other layers, um, which, you know, the secondary layer is email. Um, then if we go beyond that, um, now we're looking more of like a XDR kind of, of solution. Um, and that extra layer is really supposed to be against, you know, sweeping and hunting and correlating all that data that you've captured from either endpoint or email threats, right? So now we have a way to really you know, look at it from a higher level and more of a protective and proactive layer, right? So that's kind of where we're seeing it now um, is is really doing a, a three layer approach where it's it's almost necessary, if not, you know, required um, in a lot of compliance scenarios. So it's just really something that I've seen change over the last, um, specifically even just the last couple of years um, that we've really started looking at, at attacking and, and making sure that we're protecting you know those 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 endpoints email and also correlating that data for reports so so okay so just a recap we have the endpoint security we have email security can you expand further on what you mean by sdr i think a lot of people are confused by that new terminology yep. just expand on that for me yeah so xdr um is really um the x is kind of cross layer right that's what it really stands for um and it's looking beyond just endpoint email what it's doing is it's correlating that data into uh more of a clear picture and story right because you could be getting alerts from your uh, endpoint protection and then you could be getting report or alerts from your email you know uh, security protection right and sometimes you have those siloed and different um consoles or you know different um areas of where that 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 threat information is coming from um xdr really goes across those layers um and looks at everything that's being you know brought in as a threat and kind of tells the whole story right okay well this this threat started with this email that you know joe got right um and then he forwarded that email to jane and then you know so it really starts to tell the whole story and correlate that data um, and a lot of times from a compliance standpoint, that is what they need, right? To see that you're protecting and really getting that deep into, you know, where these threats originate um, and, and how to prevent them. So one of the big challenges I think everybody's trying to understand is um, all of their software has some sort of reporting, monitoring, logging, but, you know, I don't know whether it's the like scene type platform, right? Where it's trying to take all this logging and aggregate it into one view. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. It's almost like, hey, everybody's putting pieces in place because they're told that's the best practice. But really, when it's all said and done, they can't really follow the cookie crumble, right? They, they're waiting. They're hoping that they have enough you know, shield in front of them so that somebody doesn't get through. But when something does happen, 
and you know, the insurance company or some sort of security evaluator comes in and they somehow finally put the tools in place or they have some access to a layer that we're not paying attention to where they can find out exactly what login, what system, what computer, what user, what time, right? And it's for some reason like that's all reactive, right? How do we flip the story from reactive to in real time or ahead of the problem? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of solutions out there um, that can, you know, help be more proactive in that mindset. Right. Um, one of them, you know, with things that, like I mentioned, going beyond the endpoint, um, a lot of that already includes like an automatic detection and response component that allows it to remediate it um, in, in live time. Right. Um, or prevent certain things from even getting through. And a lot of that's done through like machine learning and, and, you know, things like that, that really are kind of, um, you know, you're behind the scenes protector, right? Because it's it's sitting there and analyzing data and analyzing, you know, all of the threats that have come through or using their database of, of known threats and the malware um, to kind of make sure that they're preventing certain things, um, malicious type behavior and such, right? So I think it's really making sure that you look at the type of solution that you're offering, right? If you're, if you're protecting just the endpoint, um, you know, there could be, there could be some some gaps there, right? Um, are you protecting email? If not, you definitely should think about it. Um, and are you having a detection and response layer with that, right? That really does machine learning and, and analyzes data and, and, and kind of does a lot of that heavy lifting for you or your 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 techs, right? So that's you know definitely something to think about um, and and take a look at and and you know ask questions. I mean that that's what uh, the channel's here for, right? We're all here to help you know address questions and learn from each other and, and that's what it's about. So one of the other challenges that comes up often when we talk about security, right, is because there's so many layers, right? That, you know, if you start off with saying security is not just one component anymore, it's very layered. Okay. But when you add all those layers in, oftentimes what happens is that you get a lot of from the end user, right? They feel like the extra steps they have to go through or the additional things that they got to figure out how to use are, are not worth what the security provides, right? How do you get to a, a zen place between making sure that these people aren't driving without insurance and actually them utilizing the system in a way where they aren't fighting the technology is actually working for them? Yeah. So I guess it, you know, it, it sometimes depends on the type of um, customer that you're dealing with. And of course the type of partner also, right. Um, you know, is this partner going to be doing the management, the IT management side of it for their client? Um, or does this customer have an IT department already on, on site? Right. So, you know, it really comes down to how is it going to be managed um, and how can you first come to that happy medium? If there is IT on, on staff um, at the company, um, you know, maybe they, they might have their own type of policies that they want to put in place, right? They might have their own type of, um, you know, malicious sites or things that they want to block, right? Um, or parameters they want to set. So it's really going to depend on, on that um, upfront. Um, but I would say if it's, you know, the partner managing it solely um, on behalf of the client, um, you know, they really have to just, you know, have that, that uh, confidence to say, you know, I'm the trusted advisor and, and really tell them the best practices that they should be uh, utilizing and um, for the protection of everybody, right? And email, we all know is the number one, you know, threat 
component to, to even getting that type of security breach um, in the first place. So, you know, I feel like that's, I think in this world we live in now, I think a lot of us know that even if we're not in IT, you know, I think a lot of people know, don't click on that. Don't, you know, don't download that. Don't, you know, I think that's really, really um, well conveyed now in, in, in the world. So I don't know if it's such a uh, tough sell for that. Um, but I, you know, some of the other areas I could definitely see, you know, um, we're getting there. Let's just say we're getting there. We're, we're, we're definitely progressing. So it's interesting because, you know, I feel like fax is a technology that will never die, but <laughs> email came after fax, right? And then you see these collaboration platforms that have come into place that try to, they're trying to get rid of email, right? You know, the Slack and the Teams and the WebExes and like all of these kind of quasi hybrid collaboration tools. Uh, it's safe to say probably email is going to be around for a long while, seeing how fax hasn't died yet. But, um, why is it so tricky, right? Why is email, is it just the lowest hanging fruit? What, why are people targeting that as the front door more than anything else? Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely the lowest hanging fruit. Um, I mean, man, I haven't sent a fax in a long time. I was just thinking about that, but <laughs> hey, we could go back to fax, you know, it'd be a little slower, but um, you know, you know, I, I mean, I, I mean doc, doctor, doctors, insurance companies, lawyers, lawyers, I feel like they just like, this is their lifeline still. And I'm like, this can't be, I don't understand. Yeah. And, and real quick side note, um, do you remember sending faxes and then you'd go back to the fax machine and it would have that little printout like an hour later and it goes, Hey, that never went through. Right. Imagine that. Yes. We'd never get anything. Done. That still happens. <laughs> that still happens. I'm telling you, I swear it does. Uh, people actually still use the copier machine to fax. Now they're now that it's a little bit, you know, they can like print the fax or email the fax, mm -hmm. but for some reason the fax machine, uh, I just it boggles my mind that it's like somehow the law hasn't caught up to the technology where they think fax machines are more secure still than email. Yeah. Although we are saying email is the biggest security problem, funny enough. Um, but emails and faxes are still going across the same wires, right? Well, so hey, you know, it's not as things. secure as you think. Yeah, Internet of Things. I mean, uh, honestly, you know, who knows? I mean, we might start seeing fax machines getting hacked, right? I mean, if they're uh, connected, you know, so we'll, we'll see. Well, the, 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 there, actually, there actually was an article a month or two ago where somebody got into the network via the printer and then piggybacked off the printer into the rest of the network. And you're like, oh, I thought that was a, that was a joke. But apparently it can happen. Wow. Creative. Very creative. Yikes, yikes. Um, I forgot. I sidetracked us, so I apologize. I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> no, we're, yeah, well, I just, yeah, like, it just amazes well, me email. that email is, um, mm -hmm. you know, like, you're, you're not getting a computer virus in a post, in a post, uh, you know, posted mail, right? You know, like, mm -hmm. when somebody sends you a USB key and they convince you to plug it in. But, um, yeah. it just seems like, it just seems like there's so many different things trying to help the email thing across that, you know, I know spam didn't pop, yeah, it's really come back around real heavy until about 2010, but mm -hmm. now it's just, yeah, between spoofing, between bad attachments, between embedded pixels, between all sorts of stuff. Yeah. It just seems like it's the, the redheaded stepchild in the whole program. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, I think spoofing is probably the scariest, right? I mean, I think we could all admit that. Um, I think we're conditioned to not clicking and, and, you know, hovering over a link and making sure it is what it is or who is this from and, and things like that. I think spoofing is probably the scariest one. Um, and unfortunately, it's happening every day. So that's, that's the one that I think people really bank on, right? Like 
being able to convince someone to either provide a piece of information or, you know, provide that financial piece of info that they need. Um, and it's just, I guess it's easy, right? Cause it's happening so often. Um, unfortunately it's, it's, it's one of those, uh, scary ones. I, I think the, um, you know, like I was talking about the machine learning, right? There's this really cool feature that is in um, one of our products and it actually does um, hand like analysis of their structure of their email, right? So over time, it, it, it learns how they write their, their sentences, how they structure their sentences, how they use their punctuation, how they might spell something or capitalize something. Um, and I thought that was a really neat one because that is, you know, one thing that could prevent like a spoofing situation, right? If it if it does capture that maybe this email is sent and it's being written in a, a way that that person wouldn't speak or you know type, um, it actually will flag that and quarantine that message um, for for time. So that might be an interesting thing to think about, you know, when you're when you're wanting to protect your email for sure. You know, different aspects like that, different features are being added every day. You know, so really learning the solution that you that you have access to is, is key, I think. Interesting. Where do you see this evolving to, right? What's in the, what's in the, in the near future that maybe not be, isn't visible today, but it's coming down the pipeline to like expand on this whole security task endpoint scenario. Hmm. Where do we see it going today? I mean, you know, the, the area that it's directing to now, like I had mentioned um, when we first were talking was back about um, kind of the co-managed situation, right? Um, especially when it comes to security, I, I feel like, you know, if you are doing a multi-layered approach, like I mentioned, and, and now you're having a ton of alerts and, and, and how do you manage that, right? I think the either co-managing or having a dedicated security resource um, of some some type is is going to be probably, you know, key, right, for 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 the future, um, you know, and, and it's going to come to a time where you know, if you are in this MSP space and you are looking at you know how to provide the best solution to your client, that that may be something to consider, right? Um, do you want to bring in in house a security specialist um, that to kind of analyzes analyzes this data, keeps keeps more of like a in house SOC, right? Um, do you do you want that uh, you know person in, in house or do you want to outsource that and rely on you know um, others to be able to to keep that going twenty four seven right so I think that's kind of the the future because at some point you know all these alerts they're noisy you know and it's a lot a lot of management especially when you have multiple multiple clients so you know definitely see that going in the future. No, that's good to know. Okay, so. You've you know, obviously talked to IT services, managed services companies pretty regularly, I would assume. Yep. Um, obviously, we've had a pretty crazy year. Yeah. Now, I don't think anybody will disagree with that. Mm -hmm. we're, like today, right? We're like October 22nd. What's, what are you feeling as the vibe, right? Where are things, like, where, where are people at? Are they still super cautious? They're not sure where things are going? Or are, are they super negative? Hey, I don't, I don't know. You know, if things don't get better or are they, are they actually starting to be, you know, kind of positive about going into, you know, kind of in the beginning of next year? Like, what, where's, where's the vibe from your perspective? Yeah, no, definitely. That's a good question. So um, it's funny because I feel like, you know, 2021 has a lot of pressure, right? It's like 
the minute January 1st, 2021 hits, everything's going to be better, right? Like, yes, can't wait for, can't wait to happy new year. You know, woo, you know, I, I feel there's a lot of that vibe. Um, but in all honesty, I feel like it really is getting toward the direction of people are starting to, you know, realize that things are improving, things are getting better on, uh, you know, there's, you know, obviously the masks and, and things like that, you know, all these things that we've been doing have been making an improvement as much as we, you know, might gripe about them, right? It's, 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 it's getting better. And I think, you know, just talking to partners in general, um, with their state of their businesses and things, um, I think initially some of, some of them felt, felt a hit. I think everyone did, right? Whether at whatever business you're in, I mean, everyone felt something, some impact, um, negatively. Um, but now we're seeing the upturn of that, right? We're seeing, um, uh, you know, companies flourish actually. And, and especially in the MSP space, I've seen a lot of growth in the short period of time with partners that are, you know, yes, they struggled because everyone had to work from home all of a sudden. Right. And it was, it was a big rush. Um, but I think everyone learned a lot from that. And I think it's only helped uh, the direction of, of the business today. Do you think that, I mean, a lot of people have said, 2020 has fast forwarded the adoption of technology by like four or five years. Do you agree with that? Do you think that that's just, Hey, these people are just sitting on it, waiting, waiting, waiting until they had a reason. Or do you actually think these end customers have finally said, okay, we get it. Let's just get the job done. What, 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 what is it somewhere in between? I don't know. I'd love to hear your opinion. Yeah. I, I, it, to me, I think it was more or less, there wasn't a dire need for, maybe the, you know, business continuity kind of conversation, right? A lot of, a lot of um, end users, you know, felt like, well, you know, I work in a small business, uh, I work in an office or whatever the case is, we're here every day. I don't see us ever having to, you know, work from the road or, um, you know, work from home. That's just not the, the you know, uh, structure of our, our business model, right? But um, I think us being, or, even aside from that, you know, people that had that mentality or I don't want to say old school because that's not really, I don't know if that's nice to say, but, you know, that mentality of, you know, everyone has to be in the office to make sure they're working and um, things like that. So I think those two things combined have really just changed the world, um, you know, and changed that mindset. Uh, I feel like, for example, I, I can't tell you that I'd be at Trend Micro today if uh, working remote wasn't a more of a, you know, open concept, right? I, I honestly can tell you that. Um, I, I feel like it's opened up a lot of doors for a lot of people in, in different ways, right? Myself included. So. So has your company already said that they're planning to keep this thing going till when? The end of 2021, mid 2021? Yeah. So for example, George, I was supposed to be probably hitting the tour bus with you uh, and your crew and, and everybody else. Um, but, you know, we uh, had a little bit of a, a travel restriction, right? Um, 2021 is, is when they see that opening up again, you know, that magic number, right? I, you know, I really hope, I really hope, yeah, that, that that's the case. And uh, we start seeing it, you know, progress in, in more openness as, as far as that, right? Um, you know, I've, I started my job during COVID. I've never met any of my any of my coworkers in face to face, except one that I worked with at ConnectWise. Um, but you know, other than that, um, it's it's been an interesting ride. You know, it's uh, but I think 2021 is when they're crossing their fingers for. 
Well, I I actually just heard uh, I I actually just heard yesterday that there's several vendor companies in the space that have told their staff there won't be any travel in 2021. That they're now talking 2022. Wow. So uh, they've already made the decision to scrap the year, if you would, uh, from that standpoint. So that's which brings me to my next topic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No. I mean, which brings me to my next topic, which is how successful is the you know, the online Zoom-ish, Team-ish kind of meeting here. I mean, you know, we've all heard the screen fatigue. We've all heard the Zoom fatigue. Um, you know, me, meeting, you know, depending on who you talk to, in-person meetings are always so successful anyway. <laughs> but, you know, where do you see, like, is it just everyone's going to tolerate this because there's nothing else you can do? Or are there ways to actually make it better than just turn it on and hope for the best? Yeah, I mean... I, I agree with you that the meeting uh, Zoom fatigue and, and things like that, it, it definitely uh, is getting a little challenging. Um, you know, I really like what you guys are doing. You're, you're, do, you're out there and, and engaging and, and, and being social uh, responsibly, right? I guess that's the best way to put it. And, and kudos to you guys, because you're doing a great job. Um, but I think we, you know, honestly, I think we need a little more of that. Um, I think we need a little more openness to maybe engage in a small setting, um, you know, kind of find different creative ways to, to have that people, you know, kind of feeling again, right? Because it's very difficult. Um, you know, some people do great in this, this type of environment as far as, you know, kind of maybe being more independent and isolated and working, you know, head down. Um, but there's a lot of people that, you know, they look forward to that going to the office, you know, that's their highlight of the day, you know? So I think from like a social responsibility type of uh, mindset, we need to do a little bit more than just zoom calls. You know, that's just my opinion, <laughs> but figure it out, bring your happy medium, enough. you know? <laughs> no, fair enough. So a lot of people in it and MSP land really start to grudge when they, they get the phone call or the email like LinkedIn from the vendor trying to sell to them or contact them or communicate with them. I feel like there's a very big disconnect between the people who, you know, service the MSP community and the MSP community servicing their end customer. Like for some reason, what they do with their end customer, they don't expect to happen with their vendor. I don't know why it doesn't make sense to me, but that seems to be the, you know, the big, a big thought out here. They just don't want to, deal with the vendor. I'm like, but the majority of your bundled services are from vendors. You can't be going by yourself. What are your best tips to MSPs engaging? Let's just start with existing vendors, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden I hear, I hear people are like, Hey, my vendor never called me or I never get MDF or, you know, I don't ever get any, any updates or specials or promos. And I'm like, Hey, you know, there's a relationship somewhere that's supposed to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. what, where is that breakdown and what do you suggest that to IT service providers and MSPs and engaging with their existing vendors? Where, where, where's the best tips, tricks, you know, the best way to get the most out of the relationship you know, from your perspective? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, uh, actually, on, I was on a call earlier today where we were speaking with a partner and he mentioned, you know, he has a great relationship with his internal um, uh, tech rep, right? Someone that they call for, you know, technical support, right? That might be the end, right? Maybe, you, you know, 
you're more on the technical side and you're on the battle battleground and trying to resolve, you know, technical, technical things. Hey, if that's the guy that, or gal that you're connected with from a relationship standpoint, leverage it. Um, if it's the account manager, maybe, uh, you know, that, that you engage with occasionally, don't be afraid to call them. Don't be afraid to reach out to them. Um, that's what they're there for. Right. Um, you know, sometimes there is, you know, the, the times when they are getting bombarded with messages and, and things like that on the MSP side, right? Um, but they also have to realize that they can reach out too, right? Don't be afraid. I mean, um, trust me, there's a whole uh, team of people at any vendor that, uh, that you work with that's willing to, to help you out, right? There's someone. So don't be afraid. Um, and yes, there is MDF a lot of the times out there. Don't be afraid to ask. Um, just just leverage if, if, like I said, if it's a tech person or the account manager or the receptionist, I don't know, just leverage that, that, you know, networking and, um, you know, personal relationship they might have with that person or vendor. What, I mean, from a, then from a new vendor's prospect, like I was, I was laugh, right? We're all part of the reason a lot of people are in this business is it's like a toy store. You're always unboxing something new. You're always playing with something new. It's a new blinking light. You know, it's kind of cool, right? Cause you're seeing things before a lot of other people are, but like, but then when you're trying to, when, when somebody's trying to contact you about something new, it's hands off ish. It's, I don't have time. It's, yeah, there's no need right now. Mm -hmm. You know, should the MSP or IT service provider have somebody internal or, or maybe a person or two internal responsible for, I don't know if R and D is the right word. I don't know if it's just, you know, uh, like in you know, research, right. You know, in yeah. terms of new technologies, but I feel like you shouldn't, I mean, I'm sure everybody's getting phone calls and emails, but I'm sure at some point you should pay attention to what's happening out there. Right. I mean, how do you know then when the next technology that comes around is worthwhile if you don't engage? Right. So like, right. what's your, what's your best, what's your best recommendation for MSPs? who are getting contacted by people for the first time from a vendor, you know, I, you know, like, I guess being nice would be one thing, but I mean, or, or maybe not hanging up on people, but I'm just saying like, where, where does that, where does that go from your perspective? Yeah, no, I, I like that idea, George. I like the idea of having, um, you know, someone that might be dedicated to, or not maybe dedicated, but maybe that's one of their job functions, right. Is to kind of vet out these, these, solutions and, and, and maybe take the time to really understand what's out there because you're right, there is so many different blinking lights and, and new boxes to open every day. Um, and really it's because this is the fastest growing industry and technology is ever changing, right? So it is really important to be on top of those solutions, whether or not it's gonna be the right fit for you or your company, maybe not, but um, yeah, I like that. I like that idea a lot. Um, I would also say, you know, leveraging your distributor. If you're going through a distributor, I mean, there are so many resources there. You know, I used to work at Ingram. I was one of them. Um, so I, I know how that is. I mean, there's so many there. So again, like if we go back to that question of, you know, how do I get more engagement with my vendor, right? Leverage them too. I mean, that's what they're there for. A lot of the times they have funded heads there. Um, they have dedicated reps. They have dedicated people um, whether it be technical or, you know, more on the business side of things, but man, there, there's a ton of resources there. So, mm -hmm. so here's a good one. And since you've been on this side of the aisle for so long, I'm sure you have an opinion. What's your, you know, what's your position on the, the uh, uh, 
man. What's your opinion on the channel vendor conflicts, right? Like meaning, you know, direct sales selling to downstream end customers versus through the channel. And while you're talking about that, I'll be right back. All right, George, sounds good. Uh, wish, let's wish him good luck. So, um, so in regards to that, I mean, um, depending on the vendor that you're going to be engaging with or working with, um, a lot of them have, you know, a hundred um, percent channel approach, right? Where they are selling through the channel um, or they are uh, leveraging the channel, whether it be distribution or other, other methods. Um, you know, I would say if that is the case, that's great because that's just an extension to other resources that you have access to. Um, for example, Trend Micro, um, we are a channel focused company. Um, so we leverage our, our other avenues and we have dedicated resources at all of, all of those um, different you know, levels of distribution. Um, so that's you know, something I think of as a, as a benefit. Um, I know sometimes partners would prefer to go direct um, and sometimes depending on the vendor that is a, you know, um, an option, right? That you might wanna consider. Um, it really just depends on the level of engagement that you wish to um, have with that vendor and what the vendor's preferred method of engaging in the channel is, right? So it's kind of a two-way street. Uh, like I said, you know, we're, we're channel focused. Um, so there may be other vendors out there that are as well. I hope George is okay. <laughs> yep, still, still not. Just working All right. on it. Oh, All right. so, Good. so, 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 what happens then? Is there ever a situation you think that's okay mm -hmm. where the direct sales team contacts an end customer that's already engaged with a partner? Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's a challenge. Um, I've seen that happen in other. Uh, you know, years of my life outside of where I am now, but I've seen that happen before. Um, and that, that definitely is, is a cause for upset sometimes, right? Um, in, in the MSP kind of world or reseller world. Um, how to handle that? Mm, that's a tough one. Um, I guess that would have to be between the MSP or the, the partner and, and that particular vendor, right? Um, maybe set some rules for engagement uh, you know, and with, with their, their client base. I mean, that, I don't know, that's, that's a tough one, George. I don't, I don't, I don't want to step on any toes, but that, that definitely is something that I could see being a challenge. I, I would say setting that relationship engagement, um, with your vendor is probably the best place to start before even signing up with that vendor, right? Making sure what their, their business model is and what their structure is and if they sell direct. Little, little windy today. Wow. <laughs> okay. It's okay. All right. We're, we're good. We're good. All right. I recovered. All right. I recovered. We're good. All right. So when it comes to marketing, right? Mm -hmm. How how much, you know, like every vendor has said, oh, we have marketing resources. What is it really, right? Because <laughs> marketing sales seems to be the one area where MSPs feel like they struggle the most. And so I'm curious to see what are, how far does that go? And it's just marketing flicks. You slip your logo on there and off you go. Or does it get deeper? Leads, co-marketing, generation type activity. How, how far will the vendor go in your opinion, your experience? Yeah, um, you know, there's, there's different promotions that are run all the time. You know, there could be a general um, MDF bucket that they um, 
to help with like maybe an event, right? I'll use that as an example. I know in one of my previous roles that was um, an MDF, MDF bucket that we, we had access to, to to help with partners with events, right? Um, so for example, if they wanted to do more of like a, like a lunch and learn type of situation, right, where they were inviting potential end clients, um, maybe to a dedicated office or maybe out to a lunch and doing, you know, kind of a, a meet and greet type thing. Um, there definitely is, is MDF for that. Um, and I think those are the better ones because you're actually getting engagement, um, more or less than just a flyer, right. With a logo on it. Um, in my personal opinion, you know, I've seen the ROI go much further on um, the in-person, you know, engagements or even some of the Zoom engagements. We've had great ones. Um, we've had some really good um, mixology uh, Zoom calls. We've had uh, wine tasting, you know, Zoom calls. So we're getting creative, right? We're getting creative and how we can still have that um, in-person feel uh, and still have just as much impact with, you know, getting the most out of that the MDF funds that we can. Um, so, you know, I think we're all getting a little bit creative now and, and I think it's great. When it comes to lead gen, right? Well, how often does a vendor send leads to their partner and how do they choose which goes to what? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, to be honest, I don't know because I've never really dealt with the lead side of things. Um, I know that, for example, when I was um, with uh, another vendor, I, I won't mention, but there, there was a, a lead program, right? And how they were divvied up was usually based on the um, level of partnership that that partner might have had, you know, whether they were, I don't know, a silver or gold, for example, I'll just use those nomenclatures. Um, that usually was the first factor. And then the second factor was, was um, geo, right? Um, geographic location, depending on, you know, what that partner might prefer to cover. If they were national, um, maybe they, you know, they would kind of divvy them up based off of first, you know, the first ones in, first ones out. Um, there was a lot of factors that impact that, but I, I would say the most consistent one was usually the level of partnership that, um, that was with, you know, that partner had with that specific vendor, you know, maybe how much they, they kind of resell for that particular vendor. That usually is an impactful um, piece of it. can't hear you now, George. Sorry, forgot to unmute. So obviously, you know, from a channel program standpoint, the way that you grow is that your partners end up selling more stuff to more people, right? Uh -huh, right. Either existing, either existing end customers grow or they're adding new end customers. I mean, you may, you may not have been on that side of the table, but what do you recommend, you know, for the, for the MSP, you know, to help them prospect more, grow more, sell more. If you were to give them one or two pieces of advice or tips, what would be the first thing to come to your mind? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, there's there's so much free content out there, um, whether it be webinars or, you know, um, these Zoom engagements, you know, things like that. Leverage those as much as possible because there's a ton of information that's available. Um, the more you're exposed to learning about the solution or hearing about the solutions or engaging with that vendor, um, the more it's going to become more natural for, for them to be able to talk about it. And I know sometimes partners don't exactly talk about a vendor, right? Because a lot of times they're, they're uh, providing a bundle of solutions and they don't always tell the customer what that, you know, particular vendor of, of use of, that they're using is, right? Um, so depending on that too, but um, I would say, you know, if, if 
for example, if you were a trend micro partner and, and you know you wanted to become have more ROI on your engagements with your customers, feel free to, I mean, contact your account manager, contact anybody at the company, say, look, I just need 30 minutes of your time. I want to know what's new. I want to be refreshed on my information so that I can, you know, um, present it the best I can to my client, right? Leverage the resources as much as you can. I know sometimes it takes a little time, but even if, even if you do that, um, you know, um, maybe on a quarterly basis or, or whatever it is, I mean, it's, you're only going to benefit from it. No, it's good. So where do you see, I mean, you know, just a little bit of current news, right? Uh, Dado just filed for IPO, right? There's yes. a vendor in the space that just made some news. Right. Is Trend Micro publicly traded? Oh, no, I didn't, I didn't look it yes. up before this webinar. Mm-hmm. So it seems like that the finance world has finally stumbled or tripped into IT services MSP land, right? Mm-hmm. We've always heard of the Googles and the Microsofts and the Apples at a top level, but I feel like we're down here somewhere in the weeds, right? That all of a sudden somebody started weed whacking and they're like, oh, there's a city back here. Um, <laughs> where do you see the industry going in the next three to five years, right? Do you, do you think that being in the MSP business is a good business to be in? Do you find that, you know, that, you know, in the next short while there's, there's room, right? Like for it to succeed. I feel like there's a constant sandwich happening, right? You have the big guys trying to sell to everybody, regardless of whoever they are. Mm-hmm. And then you have the end, you know, and then you have the, the, the small guys trying to learn, you know, technology that may not be the easiest for them to learn, right? And there's like the shadow IT that kind of springs up because of it. And then in between you have the IT service providers and managed services providers. Like, is the industry healthy? I mean, we see a lot of M&A going on. We see a lot of money being dumped into it. But if you're an everyday regional or, you know, you know, kind of metro MSP that's not, you know, got money behind them, you, we started this webinar with, hey, they may not have enough per- resources, personnel, money. You know, is there is there runway, you know, here from your perspective? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, the, the merger and acquisitions. I mean, you know, in the, the past decade plus, um, I've seen so many partners that I used to help manage or, or enable, um, they've sold, you know, their, their businesses, um, and, and started new ones. Right. So, um, and sometimes twice or three times over in the past, you know, 10, 12 years. Um, so I definitely see that becoming more of a, a um, a positive kind of thing, right? I see a lot of partners doing that. Um, and there's there's one I just talked to today, actually, that, uh, that you know, this is a third business they've owned and, and they're doing it again, right? So I definitely think it's healthy. Um, I think the, the, the number of resources and um, ability to outsource or, you know, do a co-managed situation, I think there's a solution or a way for everybody out there, whether you're just a tiny, you know, MSP that's just starting out like a startup um, or you're mid-level. Um, I think there's so many ways that you can continue to boost your business and, and remain healthy. I think IT in general is, is, is um, probably the healthiest it's ever been to be quite honest. So I would say if you're out there, keep up the good work. It's, it's, it's I know it's tough, but you're doing good. Any, any final thoughts that you would suggest, advice, tips? Hey, you know, here's what you should do to make it to the end of the year. Here's what I would be doing in preparation for next year. Kind of last thoughts, uh, you know, wrap it up and 
you know, give some advice to the MSP world. Yeah. I know there's so many people out there uh, that probably have been, well, it's probably gotten a little better now, but initially probably back in March, everyone was, uh, you know, struggling to keep their head above water and, and, and trying to help their clients and, and, you know, working from home and hardware and God knows what else. Right. Um, I think now that it's kind of subsided, we, we, you know, we're still working through a lot of those things, but now we kind of have a handle on it, if you will. Maybe we're able to breathe at this point. Um, I would say take this time now to, to really start doing a little bit of planning, right, for your next Q1, um, 2021, right, because it's going to be great, right, going to be great. So um, start your planning now and really start to think about the solutions and, and things that you want to have in place uh, to, you know, have a solid, solid offering for your client. I know now there's probably new solutions that are being built into bundles that they never thought about building in before, you know, um, and I'm sure there's a ton of Office 365 being sold. I'm sure there's a ton of, you know, hardware being sold. So, you know, now that those things are in place, I think now it's really time to, to take a breath and think about the solution set that you're going to be offering to your clients for 2021. Awesome. Melanie, where do people find you, your company, how do they contact you? Go for it. Yeah, yeah. So um, you can contact me at any time uh, on LinkedIn. I'm, my name is right there, Melanie, uh, and last name's Noe, N-O-E. Um, I'm at Trend Micro, so you can you can ping me at any time if you want to want to chat. Um, if you want any you know support from an MSP perspective, uh, we have a great MSP program specific for uh, everyone in in the channel. So would love to chat with you and see how I can help. Well, Melanie, I really appreciate you for coming on. For everyone, this whole session was recorded. You can rewind, fast forward, learn all of the uh, tips over and over again if you were, share it along. Uh, we do these sessions Tuesdays and Thursdays, 1 o'clock Eastern time. We are on the road. We have a final couple of days here on the second Channel Strong Tour. And we're in Columbus, Ohio, or Cincinnati today, and uh, we're finishing off in Lexington, Kentucky tomorrow. So a little fresh air, clearly some wind. <laughs> but uh, it's nice to be nice to be out safely on the road and seeing people in person. Melanie, hopefully we'll we'll see you out on the road back in or, or next year in 2021. For everyone else, you know, feel free to reach out to Melanie. If you reach out to us, love to see you in person. If not, stay tuned it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. And uh, thanks for watching. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. Melanie. Sure.